Hey everybody, this is Diana, aka Mod. Just a quick note about our Facebook page. We've made a few changes and we have created a Facebook group. Uh, in this group, that's where we want to interact with you guys. We want your questions, we want your comments. We'll be putting up our polls. This is where our rando pony posts are going to live. And our page is going to be uh, the release schedule. It's going to be where we link to all of our new episodes and release any uh, podcast news that we may have. Like, hey, we're taking the week off, which is not happening yet. So we'd love to see you over in Macintosh and Mod group on Facebook. Hello and welcome to part two of a special two-part Macintosh and Mod haven't seen what... Macintosh and Mod are joined by James from Unabashedly Obsessed and Blink and You'll Miss It to walk through a truly epic teen comedy. We talk about the 90s teen hive mind, agree to disagree about Tom Cruise, and talk through maybe one of the best soundtracks ever released. Enjoy this extra special review of the 1998 classic, Can't Hardly Wait. This is Diana, a.k.a. Mod, And this is David, a.k.a. Macintosh. And this week we made David watch Can't Hardly Wait. Multi-character teenage comedy about high school graduates with different agendas of life on graduation night. Mm -hmm. 1998, $10 million budget, $25 million gross at the box office. It had a much better life after, I would say. True that. But before we get into uh, our discussion, we have a guest today. Say what? Yes, he's actually been a wonderful guest uh, friend to our podcast, um, but this is the first time any of y'all will hear him. It's James! Hey, hey, it's me! It's For the James. first time! Yeah, first first time in quotation marks. So this <laughs> week on our podcast, it is James Palooza Week, because if you are a fan of our My Little Pony podcast, you will hear him on Wednesday! Yay! He's doing a Pinkie Pie episode. Fun! Uh, but uh, in James's world, James, what do you host? Oof. Well, mainly I host a show called Unabashedly Obsessed with my best friend Aaron, where we talk about basically the things that we're watching or reading or listening to or that we've heard that we should. And then I also recently started a podcast called Blink and You'll Miss It, which is a Blink-182 discography podcast uh, where I'm going through the discography of Blink-182, Plus 44, and Boxcar Racer alphabetically by song. But the catch is that each episode is only five minutes long or less. Yeah, and then I also have a uh, countdown show mm -hmm. on my blog, which I haven't put on iTunes yet. Yeah, I'm on like episode 373 or something of that countdown show. I've been Jeez. doing it since 2010. Yeah, it's 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 my baby before, you know, before my baby was born. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, so then, yeah, I do, I podcast pretty much all the time, so. Yep, we understand that feeling. <laughs> uh, this is our other job. This yeah, other job, for real. yeah. Um, yeah. But it was your Blink and You'll Miss It podcast that got us to do this particular episode. Yeah. Um, we, we were having so much fun talking about Blink-182 and just kind of how, damn it, really exploded them. Yep. And a lot from this movie helped push that. And yep. David had never seen this movie, which nope. I, I don't, uh, it's a thing. Um, So it was a great excuse to <laughs> yeah. watch this movie. Absolutely. Okay, so James, what is your history with this movie? I feel like I probably would have seen it in the theater, mm -hmm. I think. I would have been 98, so that would have been the end of ninth grade for me. 
I imagine I, you know, I was sort of into Ethan Embry was sort of all over my all over my map at the time. That thing you do, oh, Empire yes. Records. Oh, sure. Sure thing. That's it. He will always be yeah. Mark with the C. Mark with the C. Mark with the C. Yeah, exactly. So I probably would have seen this uh, on that, and then I feel like I would have seen it a number of times on like ca- like uh, HBO or something. Like yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like I, I I've seen it multiple times, and then it was actually probably around right the time when I would have bought it. I wonder if I had this. I may have had this on video before I had it on DVD, um, and the soundtrack, of course, yes. just like everything about it was sort of like. I, I really like Jennifer Love Hewitt, mm-hmm. and I think that I thought that she was really pretty, and I like the whole like you know high school as a you know microcosm yes. for white America, I guess. Really, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, uh huh. Well, yeah, Which the, absolutely. Now, at the time, yeah, at the time it was like this is this is America. Now it's like it's white America. It's so yeah. diverse ish. Mm-hmm. Um, diverse ish. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I like that. Diverse ish. Yeah. Uh huh. This this movie is one that like I feel like oh I'd forgotten that I know every single line in this scene and I know yeah. every beat that's going to happen <laughs> mm-hmm. and like <laughs> yeah it's 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 one of those that's ingrained in me um, that I didn't realize and it's it's funny because Empire I feel the same way about Empire Records oh, um, yeah. which I actually Empire Records just in my blood uh huh yeah me too I've and got this, that and one down. This feels like I was trying to set this up on a uh, on a podcast that I was on called uh, I Never Saw That where we talked yes, about Yes, I uh, listened to this episode. Yeah. It was great. Hi Jen and Micah. Hi Jen and Micah. Nice to nice to talk to you on this podcast too. <laughs> I was trying to set up an idea where uh, it started with Dazed and Confused mm-hmm. and then moved into Empire Records yep. and then moved into this mm-hmm. as sort of like companion pieces yes. and sort of feel like feel siblings. Oh yeah, no, it's it's the it's that it's that hive thing. Yeah, that's so. Oh, that's true. That's true. Dazed and Confused has that too. And Empire that, Records, yeah. Yeah, and it's got people who really just shot out of there, and some other people who b- crashed and burned. And if you really, if you really want to take this all the way back, another movie that we went through, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. True. Yes, that's true. Story. I mean, that would probably true. be the original. It goes back to Cameron Crowe. <laughs> that well, that's true. Yeah, it does all go and back to Cameron Crowe. <laughs> it's, oh, it's a weird hive. Well, this True. movie came out, okay, if for me, it was the summer after eighth grade. This was the first movie I went to the theater and saw by myself. Aw. I love going to the movies by myself, but this first Same. time I did that, it's awesome. It's it's the yeah. best. Just short of, a, right after uh, music festivals is, <laughs> is, music festivals by yourself, like Warp Tour, is like the best thing on earth. And then shortly after that for me movies. Is, is movies. Yeah. 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 No, I just found myself, I had this weird summer where like, I had no plans and I had decided that all my friends were assholes, and I didn't want to spend any time with them. And it was the best summer ever. I just went to the movies by myself. I read a thousand billion books. It was awesome. Gee, I nice. wonder what character you relate. I to. really <laughs> identify with Denise by a lot. I need. I needed her character. And it was great. We'll go ahead and get into our writer director. It's actually a combo, and it's the same group of people: Deborah Kaplan. And Harry Elfont. Um, so they co-directed and co-wrote this movie. Um, and you can hear their voices in the opening montage. Yes, they are the like, oh, are we going to that party tonight? I heard so-and-so's there. Like, they're the ones yeah. doing all that mon- that stuff in the beginning. Uh, before this, they wrote and directed a very Brady sequel. Okay. And <laughs> after this movie, they went on to do uh, The Flintstones Las Vegas. 
Josie and the Pussycats, which they also directed, which we'll be watching that for our summer content of the Doghouse. Nice. For uh, Riverdale. Uh, they also did Surviving Christmas, Maid of Honor, Leap Year, and this TV show that I can't really tell if it's still going called Mary and Jane. So, um, yeah. They're on the, they're on the, the outside circle of Hollywood. They're, 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 they're working. They're working. They're working. They're a team, clearly. So uh, what do we what do we think about their writing, guys? It's a solid script. Like I'm not gonna <laughs> denounce the story of it at all. I, I think with the solid tropes, there's a lot of room left for the actors to play these mm-hmm. characters. I think that's what's so great about it is it feels open ended enough mm-hmm. that they're allowed to to run wild. Yeah, yeah. I think the smartest thing they did was not to give any of the uh, supporting characters names. Mm-hmm. They gave them archetypes. And yeah. they cast it and said, go. <laughs> yeah, and that's that, true. I think that allowed everybody to be, um, I, this is just a director thing too. I think that allowed everyone to just be like, oh, I'm the hippie girl or I'm the I'm a jock guy and just go for it. And I think we get a lot of really silly and fun moments because that's all that's all they had. Right. Yeah, I think I think that's very true. Um, I was watching it and I was trying. I know um, the three girlfriends of the jocks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Jamie Presley, and I feel yes. like I've seen the African American girl before on something, but I didn't know the other white girl. Yeah. And so I looked her up, and I I was like, oh, uh, he calls her Rachel. Okay, cool. And I looked it up, and it was just like jock girlfriend number three. And I was like, okay. oh, yeah. So Rachel was just like an improv thing, I guess. <laughs> Probably, and then like uh, Jamie Presley is Beth, right? And then the guy in the yellow shirt, his name is Duty. Like that's just like it. So I don't know if they like came up with it on the spot or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But they didn't actually have like real names. Yeah, which I love. Imagine, I love that. imagine being the script supervisor on this thing though. <laughs> Uh, if this was all improv, that person just being like, okay, you just have to remember that anytime you refer to her, you have to call her Beth from now on. Because yeah, <laughs> you improv this line. I, yeah, the story's good. It makes total sense. Cheesy, sure, but that's okay. There, there, there were parts, I, I feel like I always, no matter what show I go on, I also uh, shout out uh, Your Favorite Problematic, the podcast, um, because yeah. it's changed my... Uh, way of watching media um (laughs) but i was watching this and there was a particular word that appeared in more than one scene um in more than one friend group um that i like i didn't love that it was used but i felt like it was used authentically uh i the derogatory name that they keep calling each other yeah that was that was also very much uh of the time it's a product of its time and you you, now you just wince at it yeah really hard like there was a there was like for the um uh seth green's group Mm -hmm. which would also have a derogatory word back in the day but we're not going to use that word either they their use of it i was sort of like is this like we don't like them they're idiots so they're using that word and i think that was fine because the jocks and and the the rappers or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah um would have used it and so it was sort of okay but then something else like it was used in a way that was sort of like oh no that they're, they're using it to they, they like exceeded the threshold of, yes. of like satirical and like the convenience source scene when they find uh, his candle oh yeah and yes. then also yes. 
famously oh yeah uh, Peter Facinelli is yeah. that yeah. one's that one's the harder one to stomach yeah like dropping exactly. it in casual conversation mm-hmm. if if you have the context of the time then you're like okay yeah but when it's right. just a pointed remark to mm-hmm. tear someone apart it's like this does not work at all yeah. anymore yeah well yeah. and then you get the whole thing with William and Mike and his whole plan is to embarrass him by having homosexual pictures like that is very problematic they called it incriminating later at the end of the movie I was like Oh, well. oh, oh, this part did not. <laughs> this is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that made me feel not good. Yeah. There were, and I was actually surprised that there were so few mm-hmm. things where I was like, ugh. Like, yeah. I was worried that Preston was going to come across as a nice guy, capital yeah. N, capital G. And he doesn't. Like, no. he completely avoids that entire trope. She's he's, like, no, get away from me. And he's like, yeah, all right. Here's what I think the best thing about the writing is is that they they take those tropes mm-hmm. and then throughout the rest of the movie they set them all up and then they start knocking them down one by one mm-hmm. yeah. for the for the named important characters. Yeah. For the external characters, yeah, they're they're there for comic relief and yeah. that's why they're yeah. they're set up that way. But for everybody who's an, of actual importance, they start ripping those apart throughout the whole movie, and that's so refreshing. I I agree, and I I was happy that they had. I mean, like I said, diverseish before, but like there actually was a fairly diverse cast. And what I was really pl- pleased with was that there was no, almost no, like stereotypical. Like the nerdy Asian or yeah, the they didn't the, go that far. They I didn't mean, go this that cast far. Is like exclusively white. Well, I mean, like, there, was, really. I mean there was the the white. inappropriate memory guy who was African American. Yes. There was the whipped cream guy who was African American. The girl that he wants to have sex with is Asian. Asian. Oh, yeah. uh, Freddie Rodriguez or whatever. One of the jocks was yes. was Hispanic. And they um, and down Faison. And they do it without. You know, without pointing it out, they're just like they're yeah. there at the party. There's okay. no, there's no tokenism to it at all. I I agree. It was and okay. then um um also the other one the of the other jock friends is African American, yeah. and then the girlfriend is huh. African American. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel like it's a very white movie. It, it is. is. It is a white movie. <laughs> okay. But they do the great thing of just these are kids at a party. They don't. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They could. They could have been a lot worse on the like stereotypical behavior and they didn't mm-hmm. they everyone yeah. was pretty much middle class suburban white kids and i you know yeah. depend yes. regardless of their of their race <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah. oh goodness all right so let's get into our cast oh man <laughs> okay so i did tried to do some deep dive on our main cast and then i just have a list of all of the extra people because there are a lot of extra people like Ex- extra people of note <laughs> yeah extra people of note <laughs> E-P-O-N. Okay. <laughs> yes. So we start with Jennifer Love Hewitt as Amanda Beckett. Uh, before this movie, she did Sister Act 2. Yeah! Two, she was awesome in that. That movie is awesome. I love that movie. Uh, she did I Know What You Did Last Summer, and she was already on Party of Five. Right. Uh, Party of Five was about to end when this movie came out. And since then, she has done a bunch of TV, and her most successful thing was Ghost Whisperer. She went to, like, some sort of movie jail she she went to celebrity jail because she got a little crazy and desperate for a while okay especially after she broke up with carson daly Uh, they were together for a very long time she was dating carson daly Mm -hmm. they were together for a lot they were engaged didn't she date john mayer as well 
Uh, who hasn't? Everyone <laughs> has dated I Peyton Manning. That. I believe Your Body is a Wonderland is about Jennifer Love Hewitt. So Okay, so what do we think of her in this movie? Better than she should have been. Super young though. I felt like I, I could she I could not get over how young she felt. Improved over the course of the movie. Like when she first got <laughs> to the party, I was like, Oh no, she's not good. And then by the end I was like, Oh no, sh- look, this is great. I like how you, you, when we first meet her, we just like, okay, she's supposed to be the hot girl in school. And she just got dumped. Oh, this is a big deal. And you kind of feel like she's just kind of stuck up, thinks she's super important. And then we get, we get layers to her. And I like those layers. And those layers felt very real. Yeah. I think part of it is she doesn't have, she almost has no lines at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. Right. And no words given to her. And I don't know that she's the best face actor. She doesn't react. As not a yeah. lot, which is fine. Yeah. There's there's some actors who don't do that, but that means that she needs actual stuff to say in yeah, order probably, for it to yeah. make an impact, mm-hmm. or to have her face covered like they did at the beginning of the movie. Yes. Yeah, that works too. That was funny. <laughs> I like that that we don't see who it's she is. It's a very is. fun bit. Yeah, and I do I do like when she first walks in and the whole everything stops and the yeah. whole like <gasps> it's great. Yeah. It's great, and it's spoofed very well later on in life. Okay, let's move on to Ethan Embry. Oh, I love him as so Preston good. Myers. E squared. Yeah. Oh. This is this is where he comes into his own. Like he was fine in that thing you do. He was good in Empire Records. He kills it as the lead. I fell in love with him with Empire Records. Mm-hmm. As I, we all did. Of course. Yeah, sure. Um, I loved seeing him in that thing you do. He's only in it for a very small period of time, but I love him. TB player. Yeah, TV player. Uh, he does not remember filming this movie because he was stoned the entire time. Uh, Ethan Embry has been very public about the fact that he uh, has some addiction issues. He is currently sober and clean. He really liked the black tar heroin for a while. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, so by stoned, do you mean like stoned? Well, back back then it was just pot. Okay. But he was stoned for the entire... He doesn't remember filming this movie. Wow. Mm-mm. Interesting. That's amazing considering how present he feels in every yeah. single he scene of the movie. He doesn't seem stoned at all. He just seems super earnest, which is totally his thing. Yeah. yeah definitely. There's, there's one thing he does. It's earnest very well. I just... I love Ethan Embry. I always will. Nah, he's so perfect in this movie. Okay, next we have Charlie Cosmo as William Lichter. Aw, all grown up. I know he's a big boy. Uh, if you didn't, if you're like, I know that guy, but I can't remember why. Um, he was in Dick Tracy. What about Bob? And he's Jack from Hook. Yeah, he is. Hook was the last film he made before this. He took. He decided, I want to go be a real kid and and do that and. and- They had actually cast somebody else for this role. Didn't work out after a few days of filming. So then they pulled in Charlie. He was on break from MIT. Yeah. Because he's an uber nerd. And he did this as his what if movie. What if this like acting was what I was really supposed to do? Uh, Let's try it again. And he did it. And he's like, no, I'm good. He, um, I watched uh, 15 minutes of the commentary. They said that they pulled him out of MIT to be in it. Yeah. And that his audition tape was a video of him drinking an actual beer and they almost didn't cast him because they thought that he was coming off as too cool (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that he did he had like that that opening scene where he's like exhibit you know let's look at exhibit a or whatever Mm -hmm. he had just rehearsed that like like 
hours before for the first time and was just like wow. doing it. Yeah. So. He is super talented. This is definitely a gift of his. Yeah. But I fully respect that like this is not my passion. Just he pin what's so wonderful is yeah, he's a nerd, mm-hmm. but then they take this nerd and all of a sudden absorb him into being him into the coolest kid at the party. He is the he, biggest party kid out of everyone. Well, and and all he wanted was to be treated like he was a a normal dude. Yep. Like he completely yeah. forgets his plan. Because he gets caught up in the, oh my god, this is what it feels like to be normal and be cool for five well, I don't know minutes. That he's, I don't know that he's a normal dude. No, he's not a normal dude. But he is dude, the life but... of the party. Yeah. What I what I noticed about this, thinking about William in this movie, um, there are, and I think why this movie works maybe, is that there are different cliques and, every, and there are people uh-huh. representing different cliques and mm-hmm. you go among them. But you feel like you are the representative in each click. Like I felt, I know exactly yes. what he felt mm-hmm. like. Well, I don't know exactly what he felt like, but like you, you identify. Know, some, oh, no, no one drank the beer. The beer has gone bad. <laughs> yeah, like the beer has gone. So I, I get that. I feel like I feel like Kenny. Um, when I'm, you know, when he's on screen, I feel like yeah. Preston when he's on screen. Everyone is the ev- like they're they all are their every ambassador kids. and for so their emotional maturity yeah. at this moment. <laughs> like it really works because. I'm never watching and being like, I don't understand this yes, person's yeah. story. Correct. All right, we move on to Lauren Ambrose as Denise Fleming. I love her. Yay. I, I just do. Six feet under. Uh, Enough said. Six feet uh, under, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before this, she yeah. had done In and Out, and then she did a lot of guest starring after this film. She did Six Feet Unders, and then she's just done a ton of TV. So she's been busy. Okay. She's working. I, I love her character. Yeah. I really identify with that, especially that Kenny left her. Like, he betrayed her yeah. and was just like, I, I, you were too cool for me, and you just left me alone. And, like, I get yeah. I get that bitterness. Pl- I've had that actually happen to me yeah. more than once as a friend. Yeah. Uh, so I was just like, yeah, uh-huh. I was realizing Aaron and I are always on the lookout for a very good platonic best friendship between members of the opposite okay. sex. Denise and Preston are, are. the best one we found. Mm-hmm. I, I texted her last night. I was like, oh, yep. them. Yep. And <laughs> There's never yep. any tension. There's never any will they, they even, won't they. Well, they it's even just, say, you, you dated me. You dumped me. Like, in the first five minutes yeah. of the movie, we established they did date. Yeah. Well, and they went like this. When yeah. We went out. yeah, I think I was drunk that week. And the whole impression is like, yeah, that didn't work yeah. great at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I love right. that. We don't ever get the hint that, okay, maybe they'll end up together. No. I'm... Yeah, it's not even in the no. cards. It's not even a plot device that I'm no. worried about. Like, it's really, yeah, really good. I remember seeing this yeah. film. I was like, oh, I bet he ends up with her because she's like the best friend who's always loved him. Breaking yeah. down tropes, just sure. like David was saying. Like, established trope, yeah, love break it. it down. Love it. Dang it, these writers are getting yeah. better and better as we go along. I know. Why have they not done more television? <laughs> All right, let's move it's on true. to Peter Facinelli as Mike Dexter. Oh my God, he's doing a Tom Cruise impression. He is. He is Tom <laughs> Cruise. He is Tom Cruising it up all over the place. Oh, uh, I, <laughs> and he's yeah, not yeah. attractive enough to pull it off. Uh, shut up. I'm not saying he's not attractive. I'm saying he, he certainly got a lot yes, better. He aged. Looking he is. He is he, aging he aged. well. He's also become way more successful. <laughs> true. It's like he got bitten by a vampire and just stopped, like, yeah. he, like, got, you know. He really uh, internalized that Dr. Cullen crap from Twilight. Hey, you know, he's up, he got paid bills. No judgment. Uh, he was really good on Nurse Jackie. 
Yeah, he's oh, was in he the under whole Shaggy? series. Uh, you hate him in the beginning, and he has he shows a lot of growth. Um, and then he's been on Supergirl as well. He's perfect up against mm-hmm. all. I mean, I if there's one thing they did in this movie, they cast it perfectly. I th- I I yeah. quibble. Here's my problem: is he's doing this Tom Cruise impression, yeah. and all I want is like Tom 1983 Cruise. Tom Cruise. I want Tom Cruise from Taps because that's a such better version of Tom Cruise. But here's- and so to me, I was like, either make a different acting choice or get a different actor. No, no, I think that's so perfect because think about this time period. This is the type of guy who would have idolized Tom Cruise and he is not mm. good enough. The only thing he's got going from him is that he's pretty. He had the best girl in school and he's a football star. To me though, my, my biggest problem though is that it doesn't read that way on screen. What it reads like is you cast an actor who only knows how to do this impression. That's what it felt like to me. See, my big thing with <laughs> villains is that I like to see villains um, be nice and like be mm-hmm. uh, allies, turn them into allies. I think that the fact that he was able to play nicely with uh-huh. with William, mm-hmm. I believably. I, my whole thing was I didn't buy it. And I think that's going to be different for everybody. It was just for me. I think my issue was everybody else felt so earnest and mm. of their own creation. Mm. But his and because should never of, be earnest. But because... So everybody else feels like they are a fully fleshed character. Okay. And because of his acting choices, mm. I never felt that way with him. That was my problem. Okay. Uh, it okay. took me I, out of it. Yeah. I, I can get behind I can that. I can get this. behind that. It was a, It's a superficial thing, but it can take you out of a character pretty quick. But is it the Superman thing where like, you know how Superman's yeah. super boring? Yeah. Like yeah. because and, and any main character that has almost mm-hmm. no flaws or even like in in Mike Dexter's case, like obvious. Okay. Well, but he has like he has a flaw. Duh, duh His flaws. flaw is he thinks he's super. Right. And okay. He's not. Here, here's the problem with right. him. There's layers to yeah, everyone that's else what I'm except yeah. for him. That's why you don't like him because there's also no other layers to Tom Cruise. The only other layer there is Scientology. Now, now whoa, hold whoa, on whoa, one whoa, second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now hold on one second. <laughs> Tom Cruise. I have been surprised about how many times I watched Tom Cruise movie being like, this is going to be a stupid Tom Cruise movie, being just yeah. completely. Are you talking about Mission by Tom Cruise's performance? I'm talking about everything. Really? Like, I have yet to seen a Tom Cruise movie where I'm not like, you know who's good in this? Uh-huh. Tom Cruise. Uh, I liked him in Jack Reacher. I liked him in the um, Groundhog Day, but with action movies. <laughs> um, I liked him. Well, but like, I go, I'll, I'll go way oh. back. Like, I'll go to Taps, 1981. And I haven't that. seen Taps, oh and gosh. I feel like I should see he's Taps. Incredible, and he's mm. he's not even the lead guy at this point. He is a side. He's yeah. a side character, almost villain. And he's fucking incredible. Yeah. I think we can all three of us agree that Tom yeah. Cruise is great. So what else do we have to talk <laughs> he's about? He's great. I just said he doesn't have any layers. The other layers come from Zemu. <laughs> let's, let's, let's. <laughs> yeah, so I true. It. I so said true. it. I said That's it. That's just science. I couldn't help myself. Sorry. Okay. So let's move on to <laughs> what really just wraps my heart with joy more than even Ethan Embry. And it is Seth Green. As mm. Kenny Fisher. So I good. wanted to hate him at the beginning of this movie. Oh, yeah. He's set up for you to hate. Exactly. Good. That's correct. Like, this guy's a douche. <laughs> I was really nothing redeeming about this kid. Well, and I'm upset because it's like, I know who Seth Green is. I've yeah. seen Seth oh, Green, yeah. especially like the Seth Green I've known and loved is like Robot Chicken Seth Green. Right. Family Guy. Family Guy, all the goofball right. stuff he's mm-hmm. done. So that's what I I came to know him from. And going back, you know, it's like he still had that in him in all these comic roles. Mm-hmm. 
the beginning of this movie, yeah. I'm like, I know you're better than this. Please tell me this is going to go somewhere yeah. better than what we're about to watch here. And it really does. And it does. <laughs> it absolutely does. Do they only use voiceover for him? They do, right? Like a, like a, in um, his head. Um, where he's thinking. Oh, yes. In his head. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just so him. That's so important for his role of being relatable at all. If you if you, if they just stuck to just what mm-hmm. you were seeing, you'd be like, "Oh, this guy's an idiot." And well, he's an yeah. idiot, but like he's just awful. But because you got to be mm-hmm. in his head and hear him that he is just as confident on the inside, but like nine, nine, nine luckily, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like oh, he's internalized this so much. He has some great. Well, we and on on my show we call them wizard <laughs> pictures, but uh, like gifs or yeah. gifs of like him being like, you know, oh, come on, you're you're chomping my flavor. Like he him he he's so short that when he freaks out, it's a Big very thing. like Yosemite yeah. Sam sort of like freaking of out sort of thing. Well, it's also yeah, his exactly. Face. Yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah. He was so beyond successful before. Like he was probably the most successful actor in this fi- in this film before this movie. Mm-hmm. By far, and when this came out, and since, but yeah, yeah. by the by the end of the movie, yeah. it's like nope, love with him, love him. I know, perfect, because it's so sweet. Because like you understand, yeah. it just became really like he's got stuff that he needs to compensate for. He's the short little guy, so he and he just wanted yeah. to be cool. He just wanted people to like him with the fridge sized Jinko jeans. Yeah. Oh god, Man. <laughs> so big. <laughs> That's our main cast, right? Yeah, so now we get backgrounds of notes. Woo! Okay. And- Rifle the yes. truth. Okay, we've got Amber Benson, who played Stoner Girl. Freddie Rodriguez, yeah. who was jock number three. He was on Six Feet Under yeah, he 2. Was he was great. Right! He was Rico. Rico. Yeah. There are several people in this movie who were also in Six Feet Under. Donald yep. Faison, who was the drummer. Oh, man. Hootie! <laughs> Love that! I, I was like, it's Hootie! It's Hootie! And oh I, my god! I will fight everybody. Hootie and the Blowfish are amazing. I'll, I'll, There's a reason I'll agree that, with that. that that's a diamond level album. It, it, it sold 16 million copies. Cracked Review is a fucking amazing album. Okay, Jamie Presley, she's girlfriend number one. Chris Owen, who played the Klepto Kid, who was also in American Pie, and she's all that. Marisol Nichols plays one of the groupies, and she plays uh, Hermione Lodge on Riverdale. So. That's quite okay. Oh, it's really okay. weird. She looks totally different she, than she does now. She does. And she, just before this movie, she played Ethan Embry's sister in Vegas Vacation. That's right. Yep. I forgot about that. She plays right. Audrey. You're right. Jason yep. Siegel's film debut as the watermelon guy. Oh, so funny. Yeah. Uh, Eric Balfour, also on Six Feet Under, as the hippie guy. Eh. Yep. Selma Blair yeah. as Girl Mike Hits on number one. <laughs> Uh, Sarah uh-huh. Rue as Earth Girl. Uh, Steve Monroe as the Headbanger. He play he plays yep. uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's his butt the husband on uh, Crazy Ex Girlfriend. But he's awesome. He's right. a great character actor. Uh, Jennifer Elise Cox as Crowd Surfer Girl. She played Jan Brady in the Brady movies. Uh, oh, nice. Jenna Elfman as the Angel. So great. Wonderful. Of course. Melissa Joan Hart as the yearbook girl. Best casting ever. Perfect. She was doing Sabrina (laughs) at this time. This movie is her film debut. She had never done a movie before. Nice. If you want to talk if you want to talk about teen stuff, like I I was a kid, but Clarissa was my jam for a long time on Nickelodeon. Yeah, yeah, Clarissa was my jam when I was a kid as well. I didn't have cable, so I missed it. Because my life sucks. Nah, it's okay. No. Uh, Brecken Meyer as the singer. No. <laughs> uh, he is yes. married to Debbie Kaplan, the writer-director of this film. Uh, or co-writer-director. So that oh, kind of no. makes sense. The uh, more you know. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Jerry O'Connell as Trip McNeely. So fucking great. Trip yeah, McNeely! That was, that was a cute little one for him. There's a voiceover cameo here. Uh, some guy yells about gum. It's not credited, but it's Johnny Whitworth from Empire Records. He yells huh. something oh, like, who got gum foreign. on this? Or something like that. That's him. Nice. And then Clay Duvall is in there. Yeah, so she right, of rejects course. Kenny. Sean Patrick Thomas oh, is also yeah. in this. and he, he was, was in, He's uh, jock number yeah. two. Yep. Can I give right. a shout out to Michelle ben. Brookhurst as girl whose party it is? Oh, she Cause she's she was so great. Freaking great in this movie. Uh, and I know that girl. Yeah. Like I know that girl, and I'm sad to say that I would probably be a little bit that girl. I'll be a little bit that girl. You're you're the party mom. I'm a little bit of a party mom because I'm like, don't touch my stuff. Un- unless 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 uh, unless you're drunk. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, there's a phrase for me in college that was everybody loves drunk Diana, which oh, is no. it's not a bad thing. It's not something I'm, well, I'm not ashamed of it, but I'm not really proud of. <laughs> that was before your time, David. It's true. <laughs> okay. So I have a little bit more trivia for this movie. Um, so at one point with filming of the house, they kind of pulled the trigger and said, okay, we can... We can trash the house now for the end of this movie. And it, they're like, okay, cast, you can go. It literally took only one hour for the entire cast to full-on trash that house. Of course. Like, just an hour. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's some damage. Like, they pulled stuff off the walls. They pulled drawers out. They, like, destroyed it and only took an hour. This must have been a model house or something then. There's Probably. no way a family would have let him do no. that. Trip McNeely's, uh, his, he's wearing a Sprat shirt. It says Delta Iota Kappa, which says D-I-K, dick. Nice. Uh, well done. Okay, so the crying drunk girl and stoned girl, they're supposed to be incoherent. You're not supposed to be able to understand what they're saying, which we don't. They were supposed to have subtitles, but they were really inappropriate, so they had to pull the subtitles so they could keep their PG-13. Oh, man. Yeah. <sighs> See, like, See, now there'd be an unrated version of this movie. Yeah. There totally would. Well, okay, right. so this movie came out in 98, and 99 was American Pie, and I feel like American Pie said, this movie just needed a little more of a push, and it would have been an R, yeah. but it would have really gone there, and they did that with American Pie. Yeah. I yeah. also love that when Jason Siegel as the watermelon guy, he's they're talking about, you never know who, who didn't get much play, Velma from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> At this time, Jason Siegel was dating Linda Cardinelli, who went on. You I'm are not, Did you not know that me. at all? Like he, he was dating no. her, and she went on to play Velma in the Scooby Doo series. Fun, super extra fun fact, which totally links back to your podcast, James. So, okay. Mark Hoppus, who wrote "Damn It," which is uh-huh. heavily featured on this on this soundtrack, when he watched this movie, he was inspired to write the song "Going Away to College." <gasps> One of my all-time favorites. I know, it's one of the best songs. And it totally makes sense. What a great song. Wow. And that makes sense. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. sense. Oh, these people are all leaving. They're moving on. Uh Uh-huh. They're watching soccer practice. It makes sense. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. So the thing that brought us all together is the soundtrack for this movie, which like was Mm -hmm. on a heavy rotation for me, particularly after that alone summer going into ninth grade. Like I used to walk to school and that was what I played every single day walking to school was the soundtrack. Um, Interesting. This movie credits 47 songs, but only 15 (laughs) are on the album. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the album and like say what we Mm -hmm. will or want about each song and then we're gonna go back and do whatever our honorable mentions are for what wasn't included on this album because 
I mean, only picking 15 out of 47 is definitely like cherry picking. Oh, and I'm going to throw out there. But there's some of these tracks on this record. That probably shouldn't you have should been on swap here. out. Yeah. <laughs> I have. Okay. Uh, can I say my overarching soundtrack idea Let's that I had today? I think this is a good album for representing what these kids would have wanted on at the party. Correct. I think it's not a great soundtrack like for remembering what the movie True. was like. Because, like, no one wants Mandy on their party soundtrack. No. But, but it should have been on having, the soundtrack. It, it should have been. It uh-huh. should have been. But if you look at this as this is something that you could put on at uh-huh. the party, I think it, it almost Maybe. works. Okay. I think so that My argument almost. to that is, okay, it super annoys me when people do soundtracks not in the order that they're shown in the movie, which this is not <laughs> by a lot. I'm fine with that. That. I- I Whatever. Um, but this should not have been called a soundtrack. It should have been called the Can't Hardly Wait mixtape because mm. that's what it should have been. Because I like your point that this is what they would have listened to. That's how they should have presented this. This is during the renaissance of really great soundtracks to really not great movies. <laughs> Correct. This is not but one yeah. of them. All right. Yeah. I love Anyways, the music. So yeah. I will take this. Okay. So we got to start off strong. With a song that I cannot believe is not in credited in more things. It has no other credits <laughs> to any movie or television show. Uh-huh. And that is Graduate by Third Eye Blind. Can I- It makes total sense for this movie. It does. It's a it's a good I, first track on an album. I I would have loved, and I know this isn't the type of soundtrack mm-hmm. that it is. Whenever I start this soundtrack, I miss the first oh. note because of how like yeah. pressing play, it, it, whatever. I would have loved just a tiny little like sound clip from the movie as track one, and then into this as track two. Okay. If I'm if I'm if I'm back editing, just some. Uh, uh, you going yeah. to the party tonight? Why would I go to the party tonight? Bound down, okay, down, yeah. down, no, down. Like that would have also, been. Also, this is I, this whole um, this whole soundtrack is made up of radio edits. This is yes. not what right. that song sounds like on that self-titled album at all. True. Like they they cut True. off half of the intro. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But first of all, does anybody remember that album? Holy! Cr- the first uh, half of that album. The first half of that album is um, all radio hits. All of them. Yeah. That album is one of the best it albums. It really of all time. is. And it's, Top to and bottom. It's shocking I'll, I'll like how that. many good songs are on there. I mean, Semi Charm Kind of Life, you can play it any day of the week. Losing a Whole Year, oh, yeah. Narcolepsy, Narcolepsy, which is a great song in and of itself. Then Semi Charm Life, then Graduate, then Jumper, Jumper. and then Graduate. And then How's It, and then How's how it, it Gonna how's Be it gonna comes be? later on the album, too. It's like Everclear's album. It's, it's, it's right in a row. Go. Three, four, five, six are oh, all. Oh, Everclear should have been on the soundtrack somewhere. Dude, everything to yeah, everyone. That was true. Killed it. That's true. Everything to everyone. That's everything what we to everyone would have been there. good. Yeah. Anyway, up next is a cover of a Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons song, and then question mark and the Mysterians. It's can't. Yep. Question mark and the Mysterians. Can't get enough of you, baby. By Smash Mouth. I'll be 
song is so fucking annoying. Now, I if you like Smash Mouth, that is totally fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a huge fan of Smash Mouth. Uh-huh. There are like three songs that I will okay by Smash Mouth at any ta- at okay. any point in time. Okay. This one, uh-huh. Walking on the Sun, and then The Morning Comes. Those three songs I'm fine with in any okay. context. I think, okay, so there are two. They also have Walking on the Sun in this movie. I right. feel like they should have gotten rid of Can't Get Enough of You, Baby, and put Walking on the Sun instead of on this soundtrack. I just put, boy, America really loved Smash Mouth, huh? Okay, I really love, did. I love the song they All-Star. They had such potential. I love the song All-Star. Oh, no. When it plays, it puts me in a good fucking mood, and puts... I do not care. I know it's stupid. It makes me happy. Here's why it puts me in an okay mood. Mystery Men. <laughs> I do love me some Mystery Men. I hear that song, yeah. and it just makes me think of, like, dancing at high school dances and going to driver's ed, and it just makes me happy. And, like, singing the song with my sisters, like, in the car on a road trip. So. Thank God that song for me was Hey Ya by Outkast. Shut up, movie. No. I mean, between what? the two. Oh, I, like, I fully agree. Hey Ya wins. I got Andre 3000 as my high school okay. summer jam So Though, forever. for me, Hey Ya is... Inappropriate college. That I shouldn't talk about on the radio. Okay, now this is the song that everyone should have been singing at the end of PodCon, and rightfully so. Uh (laughs) Track three, both on its album debut, Dude Ranch, and this soundtrack, it's Damn It by Blink 182. song that gave us wide knowledge of Blink-182 as band. This track still kicks mm-hmm. so much ass. It, it does. It really does. does. It holds Truly up. Does. It's the Truly it's does. the best used song in the entire movie. Mandy, no, it is. Mandy's it is the best well, used. But this one has the most impact. You know exactly what's coming. It happens exactly it at the right moment. Perfectly. So much of the soundtrack in the movie, it's really hard to like gauge when should this have been added because it's so much used narratively. Like, the music isn't mm-hmm. done as a, we're playing a song here because it's a hit song to put on here. Mm-hmm. They use it to right. move the movie forward yeah, and True. develop the character. True and so this song specifically serves a function in the narrative arc that is so spot on. And it is noticeable, even though the version that we watched, like, everything got mixed down so you could barely hear the music. Yeah. I just still, I will always love the lyric, um... Find someone who understands, sees through the master plan, but everybody's gone, and I've been here for too long, basis on my own, I guess this is growing up. Like, it's just, it's, just yeah, this, it's, it's just that whole, like, you gotta move on, dude. This is what elevated them beyond, like, it sort of t- took away, almost took away, like, the personality of them. Like, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, I think them, that it, it made it, them it, iconic. They're exposed on a larger, yeah. Yeah, they're mainstream. It, it made them... Yeah, the band that was playing this song as opposed to these guys that play in this band that we like, True. you know? True. Like, but it also doesn't matter because yeah. it's just such a rockin' song. It's, it's true. It's, it's true. Story. day of the week. It's a great okay, riff, too. Now we Excellent have to riff. go into some really, really bad white boy rap with I Walked In from Bro.
It is a piece of music. Broham. Nice. I, I've never pronounced that Broham. name out, out loud before. That, that's really funny. Apparently, this um, is one member of Third Eye Blind and another dude with a bad rap duo. I don't know what this is. They only ever put huh. out one album, and they got a song on this soundtrack. Now, this uh, that sounds horrible. Yes. But it does. this song, as part of this soundtrack, feels iconic to me. Huh. When... People say the party didn't start till I walked in. I start singing this song without wow. fail. I mean, it's of the of the the rap section of this. It's it's very much the worst. <laughs> uh, I agree with that statement. Well, so let's yeah. let's talk about these these two actual rap songs that we get. So we get. The Turn It Up, Fire It Up remix with Buster Rhymes. Featuring the uh, Knight Rider soundtrack as the sample. Huh. Yeah. Okay, but... Yeah. So I, I listened to this and I was like, oh, okay, whatever. I went and listened to the original track. That's right. That's Al Green he's sampling. Man, that groove is so much better. Now, here's mm. the problem, is it's not radio-friendly at all. Mm. And the Missy Elliott one, Hit Him With The He, also not radio-friendly. No. And that's a good song. Uh, it's the Q to the B to the double E spitting lovely. And it don't stop. Rock shine through my tank top. When your bank stop, I deposit all the one drop. Is that on? Is that on? Uh, Super yes, Duper Fly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then we get this random R and B track, "Swing My Way," KP and Envy. We didn't get them. We haven't gotten to them yet because um, they're later on in this album. But the reason why I was okay with the song, I like this song. It's sort of like a if Casey and JoJo was was a, was a girl group. And that's yeah, fine. Yeah, it's okay. not. It's not um, my thing. Like okay. it's just not my thing. I feel like there are people who got this soundtrack that were like, "Oh man, KP and Envy, I love that song." In the same way that I was like, "Oh man, Feeder, hi, I love that song." I, I get that. Yeah. And it's just because I listen to late 90s alternative yeah. radio and not late 90s R&B right. hip-hop radio. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. So. yeah. But we're about to hit two of the very huge highlights <laughs> of this whole thing, which is funny because they're two completely out-of-time songs. Yes. And the first one mm-hmm. is Flashlight by Parliament. Y'all, this should be on everybody's party mixtape. Everyone's. 
Also featured on the Muppets from Space soundtrack. I don't know if anyone has listened to that uh, soundtrack. Nope. But that's a that's a There's great a soundtrack. soundtrack for that movie. Good funk, good funk soundtrack. Oh, okay. Must have been George Clinton related. George Clinton had this like '90s revival. <laughs> what happened? He I did. don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> PCU like features him in the movie. Like Clinton was president, and so then he they were like maybe he's related that to the president. I don't no, know. I think it was white people did a lot of pot, and then suddenly realized, wait, <laughs> black people have this really cool funk music, dude. We've never heard this before. <laughs> Meanwhile, like this is so, this song's from like the early '70s. This is yeah. before disco, but holy crap, yeah. it's great. It's fun. I, I I I enjoy it. Um, I I like it. I'm fine when it starts and when it's playing, and then I'm also good when it's over. <laughs> like like, like you know what I mean? Like, like oh, this I'm is sort of like song. yeah, okay. this is this is a solid. Everybody's got a little light under the sun. <laughs> sure. Yep. Good. I like it's it. It's not painful. Move on. Parliament. Right. Parliament is not a band that you're like gonna intensely listen to. They are a band that you put right. on so that you can get your drink on and have some fun with some friends. Like yeah. that is what they right. are there for. Correct. They are a groove. Right. Some people might say one nation under a groove. I don't, I don't know. know if that's maybe has coined that before. I'm embarrassed for both of you. <laughs> and now, quite possibly, Run DMC's best that moment of all time. Ever. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. It's so tight. Here we go. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right. On time. It's tricky. It's tricky. 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 Bloodhound Gang did a, a fairly decent cover of that. A lot of this people song. did. Oh my god, Bloodhound Gang. Yeah. I forgot they existed. Of all the Run DMC songs, this one still kicks the most butt. It's amazing. And by the way, do you one? notice where these riffs come from? Because I looked this up. Can you tell where that guitar comes from on it? Uh, well, I actually, I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page not because I was trying to cheat, but because I wanted to see what album. Okay, so then I'm, I'm asking, Sharona, I'm asking huh? Diana. What? No, okay, I don't know shit about music. What? Down, okay. down, down, down. It's my Sharona. The guitars are from my Sharona. Oh. And the drums are from Mickey by Tony Basil. Oh, that makes my heart happy. They were sampling Mickey and my Sharona on this song. That's awesome. This is before you had to copyright all of this stuff. Because it was 1986 and, you know, Tipper Gore hadn't gotten her hands. Just yet. right before. Because that was the same time as uh, as Paul's Boutique. Uh-huh. So oh. it was really oh. close. We, cool. could, we could do a whole podcast about Paul's Boutique, you and me, my friends. Mm. Um, yeah. Now we get into the stuff that I knew nothing about. Okay, well, next we get the awesome song. I love this song. This is Feeder's High. I'm going out for a while So I can get high with my friends I'm going out for a while Don't wait up cause I won't be home It took me a minute. It's that whiny 90s rock thing. So, like, I had the second half of this album, I'd never heard these songs. Mm -hmm. And I listened to this first, and I was like, skip. I listened to it again and went, okay, it's growing on me. It it took me a minute. I think the vocals threw me at first, but then the fact that it wasn't processed and super, like, thinned out and compressed helped me be like, okay, no, I dig this. This is 
this is poppy in a nice way. I forget how hard the the guitars rock on on this song. Like I, I was like, this is quite a bit louder yeah. than I remember it, it being back in the day. Yeah. yeah, but it's totally a pop song, just oh, with yeah. really loud guitars. Sure. That's okay. Yeah, Feeder didn't have any other songs, right? Not. I feel like they may have had one more. They're on the American. They're hit. on the American Reunion soundtrack from 2003. Apparently, they're like a soundtrack uh-huh. band because they keep showing up on random shit. Some bands like this have like one more song yeah. that is like, oh yeah, I kind of remember that, but mm. like Black Lab <laughs> with the song "Tell Me What to Say." Tell me what to say, and I will say it to you. I, I I was I, out I on this song. I hate this song. This song is bad. <laughs> Black Lab is good though. Uh, Wash it away is the name of the song that that was the excellent Black Lab song. Um, oh yeah, it, it was sounds in, so familiar. Okay. Yeah, but this song is bad. Yeah, yeah. This is all right. Coming in farther down by Matthew Sweet. Music director for this movie. Oh. I didn't realize that. That's why they used it like six different times in this okay. movie. Oh, it's a good song. He's doing a little Ben Folds impression, it feels like. A little. Mm. Um, it's, it's well used in, in the movie, yes. In the movie, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. Let yeah. us move on to the song that I was, I, I said, this song better be on the damn soundtrack. <laughs> the Beatles. I'm sure it was a contract. The Beatles thing. of Probably. indie rock themselves. <laughs> <laughs> the replacements with Can't Hardly Wait. I love this song. So I like this song. I want to like The Replacements a lot more than I ever, ever They have. are... I feel like with The Replacements, it has to be a thing of they are their own thing unto themselves. No one no one yeah. sounds like them before, and no one has sounded like them since. What I will say is yeah. I got into their punk phase first, because mm-hmm. I was into the hardcore yeah. stuff. So like their, yeah. their early 80s stuff with just punk, if you can get into that yeah. and then just kind of ease yeah. your way into the other stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. they... Yeah. I think that might be but the like, way in. They, yeah. they really are just... I don't know. I've always sort of wanted to like them more. And this, this song is fine. And I it has a good riff. And it's good. But like, I don't know it outside the context of this uh, movie. Yeah, they're just... They, they so. are a pure college radio band. Nobody knew who they were. Except yeah. for the like 50 musicians that listened to them in college and started bands on their own. That's what it boils down to. What? They are musicians, musicians. What album, what album should I start with? For Go with Let It Be. Start there and then work your way around. Okay. And Tim is okay. also fantastic. They're an amazing, amazing band. They are, like I say, they're the Beatles of indie rock. They just, they they yeah. created the whole genre. I like See? it. I, I, I had something I could talk about this episode. Oh, like, <laughs> he's the music dude. Let's go to Dog's Eye View with Umbrella. 
song. Okay, and finally, we're on track 15. Whew, we made it. I mean, it's GNR, it's Paradise City. such a huge moment in the movie it has to be on the soundtrack i'm kind of amazed that gnr let it be put on here especially at this is after they'd already imploded completely they probably needed the money that's true to fund chinese democracy Uh, yeah well hmm. (laughs) although (laughs) which was just about to come out it was this close to coming out back in the apparently people are saying that they just went on the reunion tour and Axel's got a little rough time hitting the high notes, but apparently it's they're great. Except right, that Axel cool. and Slash will not speak to each other. That's about it. Well, I mean, that seems that seems fine. How many for the best? How many freaking riots that dude has started because he decided he didn't want to play a venue? Like, yeah, yeah. He's the worst. He's yeah. the absolute worst. I, I learned that on the Metallica behind. Oh the yeah. Music. Oh yeah. Ooh. Oh god, behind the music. <laughs> Okay, so now now comes the question. Okay. <laughs> Do I rifle through the rest of these songs? No. No. Because there's too many, and oh, we already God, had so many. many. I Okay, I just want to go through like any things that were in the movie that should have been on the soundtrack. Let's let's just I, go it around. I, Romeo I was Juliet. just about to say, that was my first one. It has to be in this. I know it's in Empire Records because it's adorable. It's not on the Empire Records soundtrack. No, it's not, but it's in the movie. It's in the movie. So they should have the put it on this yep. one. Struck Romeo, sing the streets of serenade, laying everybody low with a love song that he made. Find the street light, steps it's out so of the good. Yeah. Though I, I, I will say that it probably led to more sales of the of the album making movies than ever would have would have actually been sold. Dire Straits by is its like suddenly on... we're amazing again. <laughs> yeah, buy something other than Brothers in Arms. Knopfler's no, we won't put it Mark on. Mark Knopfler's made so much damn money he did not care at this point. <laughs> also, the dude knows how to play guitar like nobody's business. So. Okay, true story. Okay, so uh, Sneaker Pimps, Six Underground. Yep. Okay. sub that Correct. in for one of these songs yeah okay correct because like I, I i was like wait what is the song i heard it I was like oh i remember this mm-hmm. what's funny is i do remember hearing these songs i yeah. just don't remember the pop culture i heard them on the radio i had no reference for any of them okay i wasn't watching mtv yeah. or anything like that so i just heard the songs mm-hmm. any eve six would have probably been that good was on my next soundtrack. one they should have put inside out yeah. on there uh, though I, I will say that the open road song Tonight I feel ambitious and so does my foot as it sinks on the pedal I press it to the floor I don't need a girl don't need a friend 
friend lonesome's unconditional We're flying forever bored For a moment I love everything Which I know as the not inside out uh, Eve Six song <laughs> on this soundtrack. Yeah. Which um, one? Is more noticeable in the yeah. soundtrack. Like, I think it plays in an introduction. It plays during, uh, yeah, it plays when uh, on Preston's uh, yearbook Which photo. One? Open Road Song by uh, Eve Six. It's, okay. I, I can't sing it because I don't know It's just like it, a punk rock song. But it's definitely, it's the Eve Six song that's, it's the voice of the guy who sings Inside Out playing while they, when they still on Preston. Yeah, okay. No, at I the very, it. very beginning. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to go, I'm going to go a little deep cut here. Mm-hmm. One of these two could have swapped out on the, uh, maybe with Broham. Soul Coughing's <laughs> Wooly Imbibe, which is as Kenny drives up to the party. Okay. Or okay. G Love and Special Sauce Cold Beverage. Yo. I get a cold beverage. I need some leverage. A sweaty ass as a lemonade will be nice. Stop a fight from the top to a VK. Got a vodka, a drink, but girls got the bait on a bum board. I got some ice tea. If you like a taste of tea, then come along with me. Summertime is steaming, don't give me no work. Blast some ice and a dash up from the Esmartini time. Yeah, yeah, feeling cold and bring your own beverage. It's me, so it's cold. I like cold beverage, yeah. I like cold beverage, yeah. As William goes to get the beer. Yeah, that's that's it. Like I, I I I was I had no reference, but I played that video on YouTube. I was like, okay, I gotta hear the song. And I was like, holy crap, I remember this. That was on the Woodstock '99. Oh my god! I um, bet people were going so I always, shit in the mud. It wasn't. It wasn't oh, yeah, the mud year. It was the it was the fire yeah. year. <laughs> the, the let's have a riot while the Red Hot Chili Peppers play. I was I oh, was wow. there. Yikes! Yeah. In the uh, I was uh, my uncle was a doctor there, and uh, oh boy. we were not allowed to go out in the crowd the third day because there was it was already looking pretty bad. Oh, I bet. So, yeah. We watched it on CCTV from the doctor's tent. That's pretty <laughs> cool, though. That'd yeah, be. it was pretty cool. Uh, okay, the only other one that I have is that they should have put Mandy on this. It should have been like the last mm. track. Oh no! Like, in the middle somewhere. No, because like I get if you're trying to do a mixtape like the flow, it totally kills. Is draw it puts everything to a halt. Yeah. So like put it at the very end as like the here's the button. Or as a bonus track. Yeah, a bonus hidden track. bonus track. Hidden bonus track. Yeah. Which Barry Manilow would never have let them do. I know, but like that's <laughs> the song that I'm like they talk about it so much in the movie. Like it's such a it's 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 the equivalent of leaving out Paradise City. You know what we For needed me, there? I think that mm, we needed true. a Save Ferris, Me First and the Gimme Gimme. Yeah, somebody cover covering Mandy. Save Ferris, Me First and Gimme Gimme. I know covered. they On Have a Ball, yeah. It should have been. Track six. I mean, this was a little before they kind of hit off. 90, it was just a year before but something. Yeah. Have a Ball was 98, 99. So they should have had them do that. It would have been great. All right. We got through that. There's so much to talk about. <sighs> yeah.
that was like that's the biggest soundtrack we've ever had and we've done a couple musicals now so it's kind of ridiculous <laughs> so it is time romance right well i mean we didn't do this too much with she's all that but like i i i like that he's pined for her and and he does you know he does act she does get his letter so she knows exactly how he feels and then he has this opportunity and he's torn because it's like this like i'm i'm gonna go work with kurt vonnegut he's my idol like this is super important and i i think without that tag at the end that like he missed his train but he caught a later one it's so perfect it's it's, such a because it would have felt so stupid if he just like I'm not going to go to my things. Um, I have a chance at a chick. And it would have been really disappointing if yeah. He, yeah. He, it was completely deferred. It would have been understandable. Yeah. And they threaded the needle right down the middle to yeah. be like, I can I can catch a later train. That's fine. Like, like, yeah. that's, it's not it's realistic. That whole, it's not realistic that he's like, nope, this or that. No, just take a later it's train. That, it's, it's fine. It's the whole thing of this movie always hits that point where you're like, oh no. And then they go, nah, we were just kidding with you. We're going to do what's normal. Yeah. And then, and then with Kenny and Denise, it's just very like, yeah, I've seen that played out like a billion times, but it's so They broke up five minutes later but then they they immediately found each other 10 minutes after (laughs) and made out in the bathroom. Yeah. Like I, I'm, it's ridiculous, but it's funny, so I'm okay with it. No, it's a it's it's yeah. a great romance. It's it's completely it's not like any of the rest of those movies. No. It doesn't hit the tropes. It stays away from it, and the romance feels real because of it. You know what it's like? Uh, Ten things I hate about yeah. you. Yeah. The friend played by David Krumholtz. Now I want to say Krumholtz and the Shakespeare yeah. girl whose name is escaping me. It's sort of like that. It, where it's like they're two weirdos that like maybe like it's it's not like a oh wow I really identify mm-hmm. with these like heartthrobs whatever it's like I guess people with niche interests can find you yeah. know can find each Pretty other much. too the best way to find your people to do your thing is to is to be yourself wear your yeah. cape yep yeah. ratings <sighs> ratings okay so for. She's all that we called it uh, falafel balls. Yes. So I'm trying to think. What we had we falafel want balls for our ratings the last um, time. Okay, how many yearbook signatures are we going to give this? So we do. <laughs> we do. We normally do a five star rating. We've got say, yearbook okay. signatures here. You can do half stars. Feel free. So this is between one and five hundred and twenty-two signatures. Correct. Got sure. it. Sure. Um, and it's because it's, it is Diana's movie. I have to go first. Yes. I'm gonna give it a three point five. Three point five signatures nice like some of that is just pure nostalgia i know there are problems with this film but it still makes me happy and it's still a good movie okay if you if you cut out the words that are controversial like if you just cut the Mm -hmm. audio the movie still holds up it's still a good movie well for me if you bleeped out those words you wouldn't care yeah i mean also been 3.5 for me too yeah Um, okay and here's the thing I think honestly, if the whole movie had been R-rated, uh-huh. I could have been fine with those words, because then it would have felt normal in the part. I think what's so hard about it is uh-huh. that there's so much cut out of harsh language that when those no moments happen, you're like, they mm-hmm. there's a point of emphasis when they call Mike Dexter yeah. that word yeah. uh-huh. that you're like, yeah, maybe if this was like American Pie, y'all could have skated by. Yeah. Well, and it's it's the it's like what we were talking about at the beginning. It's when Mike Dexter uses Uh it or when Kenny's friends use it, they're idiots and they're wrong to use it. But when 
random girl calls it out and it's the punchline. Yeah. yeah, not great. It's not good. It's 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 much worse. And I know yeah. in the edit yeah. it's like you're a dick or something like that. Which, Which would have been fine. Like, okay, swap it. Just swap it. Yeah. Or I know. You know, yeah. it just yeah. It could have been better. Yeah. But I'm I'm a three point five. Me too. I mean it's just what it's about you, James. This is a great movie. I'm gonna go with a four. Um I think that despite it having problematic aspects yeah. to it, it holds up a lot better than other movies of its time. Absolutely. Um I think that it has an interesting message about staying true to yourself in some ways yes. and allowing others to change you in uh-huh. other ways, which I think is pretty yes. cool. I think like everything I think everyone makes sort of interesting life decisions. Everyone from the band decide you know, breaking up and getting yeah. back together all in one night to the other jocks deciding, no, we're not gonna break yeah. up with our girlfriends. That's a stupid yeah. idea. Um to, you know, Kenny and Denise deciding to drop both of their um their yeah. armor and their clothes to really see each yeah. other and like and so really connect in an in an intimate way and i don't mean that in sort of like a wink wink intimate no. way I mean like, no. well that too but like an emotional but like, yeah. yeah well the actual I think meaning that it's of an, the word intimacy yeah right it's a it's a it's an emotionally resonant movie for basically everyone because like um melissa uh joan uh-huh. hart finds you know love or at least a kindred yeah. spirit in the memory yeah. guy like that every i mean i think it it can lead to some uh expectations like cuz i feel like it's unrealistic that she would show up to the train station maybe that's sort of a movie magic sort of deal but every almost everything else feels real and it feels fine yeah. Um, and there's an extra bit of magic, and that's fine. Yeah, and for it, me, um, it is a movie. There is does have to be a level yeah, of suspension sure. of disbelief. But they've earned that magic right. by all the work they've put into the yes. characters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you have to. Absolutely. You have to and, feel and, like we've earned it. Unlike we talked about, she's all that. Mm-hmm. Where nothing, none of that felt earned at the end of it. Yeah, and that's yeah. totally what makes yeah. this movie great. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, like, I think that. So I think it's a four because it's not perfect, but it definitely it comes a lot closer than I was actually anticipating because it'd been yeah. a while since I'd seen it. And I was like, oh no, this actually holds up pretty yeah. nicely. It's, so, and yeah. it's just a watchable movie. It's, I'd watch it again. Yeah. yeah. When, when he discovers that she's eating, she's consuming the same breakfast pastry that he had chosen <gasps> oh, at the, swoon. like the way that Ethan Embry, and like we were talking about like Creek speak a little bit, like he is yeah. that, but not everyone yeah. is like that. So it's fine. He's just a, he's just a weird like language guy he's he's a his, writer his like he's going to be a writer like <laughs> he's a writer yeah yeah so i think it it, it it all there's nothing in it that i can think of that i'm like you gotta lose that the whole thing that doesn't check out I, yeah the only thing i can think of where i would be like we this could be cut is the whole incriminating photo thing it, it, it could have been something different yeah but also don't um attack people that bully you just yeah you know Find your own tribe and 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 then and he did you know. he had his own tribe too and yeah. get as he, he get did. as drunk as humanly possible and sing Paradise City as loud as you can. That's just yeah. a good night. I think that yeah. I know this song. Axl Rose is a. I know this guy. <laughs> the guy I used to turn mad made me listen to it all the time. When he jumps up on yeah. the table and someone throws the mic up and he grabs yeah. it, that's one of the most badass music yes. video moments that, of all time. And that and when he sees the boobs, passes out, and then jumps back on the table. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, it, that whole that 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 whole sequence so is, is really great. All right. All right. Well, this has been so much fun, James. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah. Thank for you being so much. Thanks for having uh, just me. Just remind everybody where can they find you on the internet? You can uh, follow me on Twitter. It's probably a good thing. Uh, I'm at unabashed James in one regard, and then for my uh, Blink One Eighty Two show, you can find me at Blink Two Two Six Racer on Twitter. You can also follow my other show, Unabashedly Obsessed, at UFO Podcast, which is uh, where we talk about you know basically if you follow that, you'll basically end up following Aaron mm-hmm. and I as we just have conversations like we have on podcast on twitter yep. <laughs> sometimes we rope in other people it, happens. it does <laughs> um but yeah though and you know we're um those two shows are on itunes and then if you go to uh appetite for distraction.blogspot.com uh that's where i post my podcast and i try to post it uh by the end of the weekend so i try and post it on saturdays mm-hmm. but sometimes it's sundays because of kids of and life. stuff. we understand yeah. that problem oh yeah well thank you again so much and until next time guys bye bye that's it for this episode please take a moment to review and rate us on iTunes and for questions and comments drop us an email at macintoshandmod at gmail.com So what are we watching next week? Well, after that epic saga, <laughs> you know, there's only one way I think I could follow that okay. with a movie I chose, uh-huh. and that is to have a full-on battle of the soundtracks. Oh, no. So next week, we are going to dive into Cameron Crowe's 1992 rom-com, Singles.